Hey DJ Suspense, throw me a beat. Hit it. What's up, party people? How have you guys been? I know I've been MIA, but I'm back better than ever with an interview with the incomparable DJ Suspense. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, And here is the man, the myth, the legend, the DJ, DJ Suspense. All right, everyone. So today we have DJ Suspense in the house. That's right, DJ, DJ. (laughs) So self proclaimed byproduct of a music dream gone right <laughs> a singer songwriter music producer and promoter dj suspense is here on the podcast welcome i'm glad to be here thanks for the invitation so i'm really excited to have you on and for february we're doing our theme of inspiration i like that inspire like so let's get started with who inspires you what who inspired you to become a dj actually um i used to be a promoter for about 15 years, um, promoting like underground parties, hip hop parties, um, for at least 15 years. And a lot of times when DJs wouldn't show up on time, you know, your patrons, they come in and they want to be entertained. So we had like one CD or one tape that we would play. Um, and then eventually it became, okay, the people that always come early because they get in cheaper and free. Um, we're like, okay, y'all don't have any other music. So I just started oh, dabbling around a little bit with the records because we needed to have a different kind of feel for the uh, shows. And that's how I started. So what exactly inspired you? Okay. So after, you know, kind of teaching myself the ropes and how to play music and how to entertain a crowd, um, I started recognizing that people were actually having more fun in my little 10, 15, 20, 30 minute sessions than they were having from the actual DJ that I was coming and paying to DJ. So what inspired me to really become a DJ was the feeling that I got from watching the reaction of the people that were actually out there dancing. And even though it wasn't music that I produced or that I created or that I sang, um, I just enjoyed the feeling and felt like, oh, you know what, this would be the coolest thing to take somebody else's music, manipulate it in a way that forces people that, you know, maybe came to dance, maybe came to drink, maybe Mm -hmm. came to socialize, to all of a sudden make a decision to dance. So that's what. Wait, so you taught yourself? I did. I taught myself. So like, so how would someone do that? Do they just like, oh my God, do they get an app? You know, now they have apps. So like, do you just get an app? So that's an excellent question. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, young man. So (laughs) when I started, there were no apps, there were no iPads, there were no, um, computer applications that Mm -hmm. you could, there was no Serato back then. If there was, I wasn't aware of it. So what I would do is because I was a promoter and partly managed the club, I would go to the club maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes early and I would bring my own records or use the records that were native to the crate inside the club because a lot of clubs, you know, have, you know, back in the day, they had, you know, staple records that, you know, they would, you know, represent the club. Um, and I would just practice. And while people were coming in, I just would keep going. And if they looked at me like I was crazy, I would change a song, change a song <laughs> or, you know, figure out a new way of how to blend. Um, so that's up to a certain point. Now, I'd say maybe a year or two after 
I stopped doing those little mini performances, mm -hmm. um, the iPad came out. And there was an app that came out, and it was called DJ. And the main thing that has always kept me from really diving into being a DJ mm -hmm. was I didn't know where you could buy all the records, right? So usually a DJ, they come with all these crates, all these records, and yeah. you know they've mm -hmm. gotten hundreds of records. And I was like, I can't even know where to begin. Like, do I start with the 80s, the 90s, 2000? You're like, I have nothing. You know, I'm using records inside of a club that it's their record. Oh, wow. So the app came out, and the iPad, and I happened to have an iPad, and you could mix records using the native music that are that's on your iPad. So I said, done. Now all i got to do is go to iTunes or download MP3s or download music from CDs and you know turn it into digital format. And from that point forward, I literally, every day, I ride the Metro to work every day. Mm -hmm. Every day, to and from work, I would practice every day. And I recorded everything that I did. So I probably have maybe 5,000 little mini 20, 20 to 22 minute mixes. Cause this, I did this over a period of time of course. before I actually stood up in front of people, you know, as a DJ and actually performed. So that's how the iPad app coming out. The fact that I could use digital music made me say, you know what? I really am going to do this now. My first, my very first gig was I DJed my nephew's graduation party. Wow. And the younger the crowd is, um, in my opinion, even now to this day, the harder it is to please them because <laughs> the attention span is shorter. Yes. And plus the, the genres and the range of music is more limited than somebody that, you know, is a little bit older, a little bit more receptible to, you know, a song from the 70s or a song oh, wow. from the 80s. You know, most people that were in that demographic at that time, you know, they didn't know anything beyond before Nelly, as an example. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I had to have a certain carve out of music in all different types of genres to satisfy these 18-year-olds. And um, the party was a success. It was supposed to end at 2. I think it ended at 4 o'clock with the police coming and breaking up the party. The entire neighborhood came even the adults came and were partying out on it in my sister's backyard. It's a huge backyard. Um, and at that moment, I thought, you know what? I think I can really, really do this because I just basically entertained the hardest demographic mm -hmm. that I could ever imagine. Exactly. So, and they were all entertained to the point where we went two hours and some change overboard. And if the cops had to come, we probably would still be there right now. Hey, the cops always shut the cops <laughs> down, right? <laughs> well, they were looking like, wow, this sounds good. Okay, but we are going to have to. <laughs> We're, we're going to have down. to ask you yeah, to, to quiet it down. down. No, that's so interesting. Um, ex like, So how do you go about song selection? Because I know, I know it might be a weird question, but no, it's not. the first thing that I always think of when I, let's say if I'm going to a restaurant or a bar and they're playing music, sometimes you know they'll play a song and you're like, I've never heard this a day in my life. And then you just zone out until you hear something you're familiar with. Or there's other times where you're like, wow, every song is good, even if you've heard yes. of it or not. So like, is there like, and also I, this is like my thinking, you have to think really fast. Yes, you do. So like, is that like a muscle that you're working, like <laughs> your brain muscle that so, you're working? Like how you so there that? is an art to it, right? Okay. Um, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and I don't want to insult any other DJs out there in the world, um, but if you're good at your craft, when you go into a venue, mm -hmm. you know a little bit about the demographics. You know about what kind of music is typically being featured at that um, venue. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a club DJ, 
um, if you're performing a party, um, if I'm performing at somebody's party, I'm very deliberate about making sure that I ask them, okay, this is your party. You're paying me, you know, X amount of money to come here and entertain you on your event. Mm -hmm. If you've got 10 or 15 songs that are must hears, because I don't want your lips out and you being all upset that I didn't <laughs> play your favorite song at exactly. your party, mm -hmm. um, I'll... I'd be very forward with them and ask them what are the songs and then from the songs that they provide I can start to kind of build a theme around music that I think is either appropriate or music that I think would marry very well with the songs that are provided okay. now when I'm in a club obviously I don't have that luxury of interviewing every single person that comes of in mm -hmm. so what I typically do is I focus very hard on what is the first song that I'm going to play mm -hmm. because that's going to set the frame you know it's going to set the foundation for what I'm going to probably play all night and then I take my cues from the people so I may love you know Cardi B's um, um, Bodak Yellow and everybody else may love it but they may not love the song that I hear that blends in with it okay mm -hmm. so I've got to look at the Cardi B track as an example Okay. and play that out and blend something in and if everybody leaves keep playing cardi b and then find something else you know and then if i can't find it then i'll put cardi b on the next track so that i can keep the track going until i figure out okay what's not making people leave the floor it's a little more tricky but it, it, it's a lot of intuitivity and also knowing the song knowing your library knowing the depth and breadth of your library which when you do this for a living do you, you know, I probably have 70,000 tracks easily. And you would think, well, how do you know of the 70,000, which works. one to go yes. next? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but you just kind of do. Now, you don't kind of do that on your first set. You do that when you've been DJing like I have for about five, six years now. And, you, okay. and you're dedicated to the craft and you are really invested in trying to, you know, be a good DJ. Yeah, my brain doesn't work that fast. So. It probably does. <laughs> and trust me, if you've got a you know, couple hundred to a thousand people staring at you, yeah. and they're having a great time, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure it out. <laughs> like, uh, another Because the last thing you don't want to be like, oh, hands up in the air, everybody's leaving, and you're just yeah. kind of left there. Well, here's some fun questions. Yes. Um, just like rapid fire, top of your brain. Okay. Uh, I don't even know what I'm going to ask, but I know okay. some. So, most underrated artists that you think needs more play oh that's pretty hard because too many I think I think a lot of the artists are are getting the just due that they deserve I mean mm -hmm. there are a lot of artists that I think are getting played too much which you know I don't want to denigrate anybody of course but that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else needs to get played more I think that you know artistry is driven by emotion and feeling mm -hmm. and you put something out there and people either like it or they don't or they grow to like it or they grow to hate it um and so it, who, who, who am i to say you know that this one artist that i really love everybody else should love true well but hey introduce us to who, who's on your mind okay so i like singer songwriters oh, okay so like tira marie she's been around for a long time mm -hmm. she's a singer and a songwriter, mm -hmm. but she doesn't get a lot of airplay. Okay. Not to this date. Um, I love her voice, and I would love to see her, you know, move to the next level. Teacher Moses is another artist who is a singer 
songwriter. DJ Moses. Tidra Moses. Tidra Moses. Yes. See, you you probably have heard lots of songs that she's written for other artists. Carrie Hilson, Beyonce. Oh, wow. um, Ashanti. She's written a lot of songs for other people. But she's also a singer. Um, So somebody like that to name to name names um last concert you went to i haven't been to a concert well i guess in a while because yeah and so (laughs) so i was gonna say i haven't been to a concert for the purpose of being at the concert Mm -hmm. i've been to a concert backing up artists as the dj for their concert so i've been to concerts but not just as somebody sitting on and at this stage ashton i don't think i can (laughs) <laughs> because once you've gone backstage and you've hugged the artists and, you know, talked with them and had spent time with them and been up close, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to be in row 472 in section E, um, even that. if there's a jumbotron. Okay. Um, no shade to any artist, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite Christmas song? I'm not really a fan of Christmas music, but I do have a favorite Christmas song. It's interesting you asked that. I love the song My Favorite Things. Oh, okay. By almost any artist, I, my absolute favorite two artists that sing that song are Patti LaBelle and Luther Vandross. Nice, okay. But I love that song. I don't care who sings it. It can be country. It could be reggae. I just think that's a great song. I think it um, reminds me of Christmas. Since we're speaking of Christmas, I just had to stop this episode real quick and say, you know what the best thing you can do for me as a gift? You could write a review for this podcast. Better yet, you could subscribe. So please, write a review. Rate us five stars. If you don't like us, five stars works too. Um, And yeah, so back to our interview with DJ Suspense. But don't forget to comment, rate, and subscribe. All right. Love you guys. Back to the interview. Last song you listened to. (laughs) Of course, I was listening to music. So, not fair. I was listening to one of my mixes on the way coming here because I actually don't listen to my own self a lot. Really? Okay. Because I'm working so much. I mean, a lot of people listen to me, and plus I don't want to cloud my mind with, oh, that's a really good blend, and I'll find myself repeating that over and over again, and people start to see trends. But I, I can't tell you the name of the last song that I listened to, but I did just listen to a mix that I posted today, and there were several songs in it. That's like me sometimes with the podcast. Like, I don't listen, but then sometimes I'll be like, I'm listening to all these other podcasts, so let me just listen myself. But, in fairness, I do I do a show every Sunday, mm-hmm. 4 o'clock, on Facebook, live. I do actually watch that back and listen to those mixes, not because every week I'm critiquing or, it every week. Because they're long. There are, they're two hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not, not so much to critique the performance, okay. but I like to read the comments. Okay. I want, I want to see what people are saying and see oh, yeah, because when you if they hate them or they, they actually like yes. do the comments as the, yeah. Okay. Yes. I don't care about. So this actually brings me to a topic that I want to get your input on. Okay. So something really big is, of course, like the Me Too movement. Yes. And I talk about sexual harassment and all that stuff on other episodes. But now I really want to talk about pay disparity. And just today, you know, we all have LinkedIn or most people have LinkedIn. So the crazy like emails pop up and they were talking about should salaries be transparent? I absolutely think that they do. Okay. I, I think they should. Um, I am not in the camp of everyone should be paid the same amount of money for the same job because I think that every person that does a job brings a certain set of skills and experience mm-hmm. and expertise or lack thereof okay. to that job. 
unless you're working with an assembly line of robots, no one is going to do the job the same way. Now, I also will very solidly, solidly articulate that I don't think that the pay disparity should be you get 10 times more than I do if we're doing the same job. Exactly. You might need one or two or three percent more in your pay because you're more proficient or better at that particular job, but I don't think you should get 20 percent or 30 percent. Well, have you heard of Kat Sadler for, who actually just left E! News mm -hmm. and she was talking about how uh, another co-host of E! started the same year she did. Um, she, she didn't say if he started before her or not, but I'm assuming she left the part out where he probably started like a month or two before her. But she left because he was getting double what she was making. Yeah, I... I it, so do you think... I find that hard to... I find that hard to rationalize, right? If, you, if you're doing... If you're getting paid twice as much as mm -hmm. somebody else, you shouldn't be doing the same job. You should be yeah. doing a different job that either is supervising that particular job or has some other capacity where other things are being brought into that job performance mm -hmm. that justifies why you deserve to get paid twice as much. If we're both working the fry machine, as an example, mm -hmm. you might be better at the fry machine. Maybe you have less disposable waste because you're proficient at it. Perfect. But at the end of the day, you're pressing a button. <laughs> waiting for the thing to ring, pulling it out, and you know tapping the grease off, flipping it out, and divvying out the salt, if that's the routine. But I should get a dollar more for excellent fries, right? Now, you <laughs> might get a dollar more if you've worked that fry machine longer. Of course. And mm -hmm. you've got more tenure, or maybe you're the expert fry, fryist, yeah. whatever it's called. But two people both doing the same type of job, mm -hmm. um, and the pay disparity is double or even 50% or, you know, 20% more, I think that that's just um, a game. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's what I was struggling with. So personal antidote, uh, I actually had a summer job one okay. time and I just assumed, and it was like literally, I knew I was only going to be there for four, five, six weeks, maybe two months at the most. I was only there for six weeks. Um, and I was working with a lady who start, granted, preface this, this was last summer, so I was 22 and she was 27, I think. Okay. And we are both doing retail, right? Okay. So I'm assuming she's making the same amount as I am. You know, we both have college degrees, whatever. And then she randomly says, oh, I make 15 an hour. And you're like, I don't make 15 an yeah, hour. Yeah, I don't make 15 an hour and I'm in law school. Okay. <laughs> Grand, and, and, I, and the reason why I say that I've struggled with this is a part of me is like, of course it should be transparent. And I actually read an interesting comment that a woman said that she worked in the federal sector and she said, after your first two years, every your salary's uh, transparent or it's- uh, Well, they're on a pay scale. So if you're a GS, scale. whatever, you know, 10, whatever numbers, yeah. step three, they're all making, they all should be making the, the same. same. Now thing. there's different ranges mm -hmm. in oh, that okay. step. Um, and that's how they kind of get away with a little bit of disparity. But there are metrics that are put in place of course, okay. where if you're a step one, you might be making $10. If you're a step five, you're making three. You're not making 50. Okay. Makes sense. In the same pay grade. Oh, okay. So it, <laughs> but it was just interesting to hear that. And then I was thinking about my experience. And this lady, she's such a nice lady if she's listening. But... Uh, I'm just going to say, she was a little lazy. Yeah. And so then when I found out that she was She's making, making more, you were furious. Yeah, like a few couple dollars more than me. I It was like, well, funny story. You know how it came out? She, because she wanted to leave the job. And I was like, oh, well, I'm out soon. Like, I, my letter's Ten in. Ten years and I'm, over, right. I, exactly. <laughs> and she goes, 
oh, I'm trying to leave too. I actually got a job offer as a bank teller. And I said, oh, you should do that. Bank tellers are, you know, good job. And then she goes, yeah, but they don't get paid well. They only get paid $13 an hour. And, and you were like, what's wrong with 13? <laughs> I was that's like, what I get. That's more than what I get right now. So what are you talking about? That's more than we get. And then right. she goes, yeah, because I make 15 right now. And I said, what? And ever, and then literally for my last two weeks after she told me that. You didn't have anything my to say. Pro- my, no, my productivity went down. Yeah, because cause you felt like, why? She's getting 15 and she's mm-hmm. working, you know, 40% of what I'm doing. Exactly. Why should I exert the other 60%? I get yeah. that. But, that's, but then it goes back to disparities well transparent transparency Mm -hmm. and disparities together will create a bad work um space while if it was all equal then it'd be different again she was what at that time she was five years older than me so like who am i to like sit there and be like oh how dare she make that much because honestly i don't know i didn't negotiate my salary either though so so but so that that, that's there's a catch-22 there though just because you're older than somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you should get paid more. I think that that may have some psychological factors, mm-hmm. you know, because I also have a, a regular job and I mm-hmm. hire people. Um, but that it's more about what you bring to the job more so mm-hmm. than what your age is. Now yeah. she has a track record in history of excellent sales she and didn't. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then that, you know, then that would yeah. settle some of the questions that may arise with literally it was hourly though. So there's no such thing as commission or anything. She just, yeah. But also, the funny thing is, so I was talking to my parents about it, and my mom is convinced that maybe their lady was lying. Like, my, like That my, could be true, too. True, yeah. And my mom is one of those people where she, like, she's convinced everyone in the world is lying. <laughs> so That could be true, too. I'll say, oh, my friend is doing this, and she's like, she's probably lying. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. That might be true, too. <laughs> that, exactly. So, that's something that, like, I, like, quickly, like, got, well, I was leaving anyway. And, you know, I was under the, I was like, I made good money, I'm out of here, but that was just really interesting and thinking about the transparency thing and then especially as you go into, or as I'm going to like the legal field, you think more about like, I don't know, I'm getting concerned and this is a question I have for you, I'm getting concerned about, you know, because I've never had like a real salary job. Mm-hmm. So graduating in a year and a half, I'm like, wow, like I want my first job, especially at a law school to like pay me a good salary and be like really good and lucrative for me but in the same sense like you want to do your passions which isn't law at all which i'm yeah. finding out real quick well you have to so this kind of marries with you know this whole topic is like inspiration right yeah so i'm a firm believer that whatever you do to make money mm-hmm. may not you know they always say you know do what you have a passion for that doesn't always work out and yeah. depending on the lifestyle that you want to live, sometimes whatever you're passionate about just is not going to meet the ends to live the lifestyle that you want to live. Of course. So you got to have a counterbalance to that. And that's what DJing, modeling, you know, the other things that I do besides what I do for a living, living. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what, 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 what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the theme of salaries, um, Transparency would definitely make you feel better about the job that you're doing at the something that's not your passion. Yeah. Because you know that dollars to dollars, apples to apples, you're being compensated fairly yeah. inequitably. But when you have, um, to thread the needle, when you have something that you also can do passionately and receive compensation for that, mm-hmm. it makes you not really worry about 
No, of course. You know, that. You know, you, you get concerned when you're not being compensated, you can't live your life because you're not being compensated, and you're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trifecta of yeah. just everything is terrible each and every day when you wake up. When If you can say, well, you know what, I may not be getting the salary that I either deserve or think I deserve mm -hmm. here, but I get to leave here, I have a comfortable life, I get to leave here and come here and do this thing that I love mm -hmm. um, to counterbalance you know, or offset the angst that I may feel at, at job A or B or whatever the number is, um, then that in and of itself can be, you know, compensating control for what you may be, the despair that you might be feeling, sure. thinking about what am I going to get paid for my first job. But then that make, brings another question, like how do you find, the, how do you find inspiration? Like, because I think sometimes people are like, I actually have friends that are like, oh, I have no passion or, or, or I, or I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And especially sometimes being in school every time you like i actually commute over 45 <laughs> minutes like yes. one way four days a week so there's literally this morning was not the day for yes, me i was I like i don't know how i'm gonna get up and go did i go yeah but you know my grade influenced that one but like how do you find inspiration and in merging that how do you find passion in let's say a dry bone type situation so that that's or actually how would you that's an excellent question i uh, this is something that I, I'm, I'm very passionate about just as a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Even the worst thing or job that one could have or, or task, you've got to be able to find something about that task that is not off-putting to you. True. Then you can focus on that. Even sometimes, even if the thing that's going to bring you joy is 5 o'clock because <laughs> the day is over and, and you, you get to out. do something else yeah. that you actually mm -hmm. enjoy. That can inspire you and motivate you to do the thing that you need to do so that you can get to do the thing that you want to do and yeah. you actually enjoy. And it, it's, a, it's a juxtaposition of what I think we normally do because it's easier to just complain about everything. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. But if you start to find the thing that you do like about the thing that you don't like, yeah. whatever that is, and focus in on that, Rope Mundane natural brain waves and cells you'll do the job but your mind will focus on the thing that you enjoy like my full-time job i'm a program manager vp i do a, a lot of different things there are elements of my job that i absolutely hate that i cannot avoid so i do those and i don't even grimace because i think about as soon as i get that done i get to do this one thing that i do like yeah um, and that's yeah, that's how I keep myself inspired. I try not to focus on the things that I don't like and try to pick out something in a sea of ugh. I try to find something good. But then tell us, so you have a full-time job and then you're modeling yes. and you're also DJing. Yes. How do you find the stamina? Like I can barely find the energy to read a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I've always been um, a person who's very driven and I don't like to settle for things. I... I I, like most people, want what I want when I want it. Okay. And if there's an impediment, it's usually financial, right? I can't okay. afford it, you know, because if you can afford something, then, you know, the fact that you've got to fly there and rent a car and, you know, you know, rent a, a tuxedo if you're going to some event or, you know, going to some luxury resort or whatever, um, if you can't afford it, you, you won't do it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's easy for me to do multiple things because I can actually accumulate 
the wealth that I need to ultimately do the things that are going to emotionally gratify me. And so I don't, again, this is the same principle applied. I don't think about all the work that I've just done. Yeah. I think about what lying on the beach or, yeah. <laughs> you know, buying a new piece of equipment that costs $6,000, you know. Um, and to some people, they're like, are you crazy? But for me, that's going to make me probably $50,000 if I buy this $6,000 piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've got to grind to get the 6000 so that I can make the fifty. It's kind of a sense. show game of yeah. ideas. I like that. Well, what can you tell us is next for DJ Suspense, the model, the DJ, the extraordinaire? <laughs> well, I think um, I'm really going to just keep on grinding. I'm not getting younger. So, you know, kind of sustaining the following that I have, mm -hmm. um, getting all the contracts that I get for modeling, getting all the gigs that I get. Um, both um, domestic and internationally. Um, I just have to keep working and doing the best job that I can do and hope that there's an audience out there for me and they're susceptible to what I do and they want to either see me or hear me and hopefully both. All right. So tell us where we can find you. How can um, we keep in touch? I'm on everything social. So <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, um, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, um, I do a Facebook Live show, so DJ Suspense, DJ S-U-S-P-E-N-C-E. If you Google that, you'll find me. I'm on YouTube. I'm pretty much everywhere. Everywhere social, you can find me. And then from there, um, you can locate my website, www.djsuspensendc.com, and you can email me and do whatever. You can take it from there. Awesome. So I'm going to end with a couple more questions for okay. you. We're just going to go rapid fire if we can. Okay. Uh, craziest thing that ever happened at a show? <laughs> um, I'm not going to name the artist, but one of the artists got a little bit too tipsy. And um, I was playing their track and they were singing a different song. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it was hilarious. Best... Not best place you ever DJ, but uh, most ex one of the most exciting cities you've ever DJed. In. Miami, all day. Miami, oh okay. Um, oh, the, so many questions in my head, and I can't think fast enough. You see, I can't be a DJ. Okay, uh, you could, you could. Oh, what else? Hmm. Oh, next ne next city you're gonna go to? Um, it looks like I just signed a contract the other day. It looks like Atlanta. All right, and we'll end with what advice would you give your 24-year-old self? Ooh, I would tell my 24-year-old self, um, I won't tell myself to believe in myself. I would tell myself to put in the work. Oh, I like that. And then once you put in the work, sit back and watch the returns. Hmm. Because believing in yourself is great, conceptually. But if you can't actually deliver on the thing that you believe, <laughs> it's kind of pointless. Um, I, again, practice, 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 practice. Anything that any of us do, even you, with you being coming a lawyer, I mean, you're going to have to figure out a way to win cases. And each case is going to be different. Um, each argument is going to be different. And if you haven't kind of narratively figured out how you're going to do that, mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee you it's going to be a struggle. But if you start to mock trial yourself and figure out angles and different aspects of how you can be successful in um, your casework, I can almost guarantee you that it'll be simpler than 
complicated. More complicated. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, DJ Suspense. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Anything to say to your fans? Yes. I'll see you on Sunday and uh, <laughs> listen to my music. All <laughs> right. So we'll be there on Sunday watching. All right. Thanks so much for coming. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it.